You are now listening to Unsolved Mysteries and Cold Cases. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, your guide into the shadowy depths of the unresolved, the enigmatic, and the chilling. Each episode, we'll delve into baffling disappearances, unsolved crimes, and tales that have slipped through the cracks of time and memory. Through interviews, expert analysis, and meticulous investigation, we'll attempt to piece together the puzzles that have perplexed minds for years. So, if you have a curious heart and a mind unafraid of the shadows, join me in unraveling the enigmas that refuse to be forgotten and give voice to the silent tales hidden within the folds of history. In the thick fog of Victorian-era London, a shadow lurked. An entity as much a product of the city's festering underbelly as the smog that choked its streets. The name on everyone's lips, Jack the Ripper. This is not just the story of a man, but a tale woven into the very fabric of London itself. It's the story of a city teetering on the brink of the modern world while still held captive by its dark past. This journey takes us through the grimy alleyways of Whitechapel in 1888, where fear reigned supreme and a nameless terror left its gruesome signature on the most hapless of victims. In the annals of crime, Jack the Ripper holds a notorious prominence. His name conjures up images of foggy streets, flickering gas lamps, and an unseen terror clad in cloak and top hat. Despite the passing of time, his phantom continues to haunt, his identity remains an enigma, and his legend remains alive, stirring fear, fascination, and intrigue in equal measure. From the first hint of the macabre atrocities committed on the streets of Whitechapel, to the media frenzy, the faceless terror, the societal upheaval, and the theories spun around the identity of this vicious killer, this tale delves into all. It explores the depths of the investigations, both of the time and those instigated by the advances of modern science. This is not merely a recounting of historical events, it is an exploration of a cultural phenomenon, a time capsule of social history, and a testament to the everlasting human curiosity for the unknown. So, step back in time and walk the misty, cobblestone streets of Victorian London. Traverse the shadowy corners of history and mystery, and delve into the chilling tale of Jack the Ripper. Unearth the theories, explore the investigations, and perhaps, just perhaps, catch a fleeting glimpse of the man behind the myth. Who knows what secrets might unfold? Chapter 1. The Haunting of Whitechapel In the twilight of the 19th century, London stood as a city of stark contrasts. It was a throbbing hub of industrial revolution, resonating with the clattering sounds of horse-drawn carriages, factory whistles, and the persistent chatter of commerce. Yet, Beneath the glinting veneer of Victorian progress, there existed an underbelly Whitechapel. It was here where life unfurled in a different hue, under the shadows cast by the city's majestic spires. Whitechapel was a district woven with narrow, labyrinthine lanes, each holding stories that the rest of London preferred to ignore. It was a world where the gaslit opulence of the city faded into flickering shadows, replaced by the grim reality of slums workhouses, and backstreet gin shops. Here, the poverty-stricken inhabitants eked out a living, their faces wearing the toil of hard labor and their eyes reflecting the desperation of destitute lives. Historical figures walked these streets too, 
their stories intertwined with the fate of Whitechapel. Reverend Samuel Barnett, with his wife Henrietta, took it upon themselves to improve the living conditions of the impoverished populace. They tirelessly campaigned against overcrowded housing and attempted to provide relief through the establishment of Toynbee Hall, a center for social work. In this somber backdrop, knights in Whitechapel took on an eerie demeanor. As darkness fell, the fog would creep in, cloaking the streets with an ethereal shroud. The evening bustle would slowly ebb away, replaced by an eerie stillness, only punctuated by the distant laughter from the taverns, the occasional barking of a stray dog, or the echoing footsteps of a late-night wanderer. It was in these ominous nights that the specter of Jack the Ripper would soon emerge. The tale of Whitechapel is not just about the shadows that lingered in its corners, but also about the resilience of its inhabitants and the hope that pushed them forward. The stage was set, the characters were in place, and the curtains were about to rise on a drama that would change this city of shadows forever, ushering in an era of terror, fascination, and a mystery that would captivate the world for more than a century. As the summer of 1888 bled into autumn, an unsettling change took hold of Whitechapel. It started with whispers, then rumors, and finally, abject terror. Marion Nichols, known as Polly, a woman burdened with hardship, was found lifeless in Buck's Row. Her throat was slashed, her body mutilated. It was a sight that even the hard-bitten men of Whitechapel had difficulty forgetting. The birth of a legend, the inception of a nightmare, had just begun. In the wake of Polly's death, Inspector Aberline, a man of determination with a keen mind, was summoned back to Whitechapel. He had previously served there and knew its labyrinthine streets like the back of his hand. Tasked with solving the case, Aberline was clueless that he was about to confront an adversary like no other. Just over a week later, terror struck again. Annie Chapman, another woman of Whitechapel, was found in the backyard of 29, Hanbury Street. The grisly details of her death bore a chilling resemblance to Polly's murder. This time, the brutality was even more horrifying, the mutilations more severe. A paralyzing fear began to creep through the streets. The echoes of carriage wheels and street vendors were gradually drowned out by an unspoken dread. The people of Whitechapel huddled closer in their homes, their eyes suspicious, their conversations hushed. Something malevolent had made its lair in their midst, and they felt its sinister presence. With each passing day, the shadow of the faceless monster grew longer. As Aberline and his men toiled, the papers bristled with grim fascination. Reporters like Thomas Bowling, known for his sensationalist journalism, scoured the streets, ink-stained fingers trembling as they penned accounts that painted the city in terror. Stories circulated, imaginations ran wild, and the faceless monster was christened Jack the Ripper. It was a name born out of dread, uncertainty, and the dark recesses of human imagination. The stage of Whitechapel, once a play of survival and resilience, had turned into a chilling theater of horror. The legend of Jack the Ripper was born, and its legacy was just starting to take root. As the chill of autumn began to settle over Whitechapel, another shockwave swept through London. A letter arrived at the Central News Agency, 
its contents as chilling as the winds that swept through the city's narrow alleyways. The writer of the missive gave himself a name that would soon make the blood of Londoners run cold, Jack the Ripper. This dear boss letter, as it came to be known, was read by the diligent eyes of Thomas Bowling. The veteran journalist, with his knack for sensational stories, immediately recognized the value of the horrifying correspondence. The letter was full of gruesome details and chilling bravado. Its writer bragged about his heinous acts, even mocking the police's attempts to catch him. The most chilling part was the signature at the end, Jack the Ripper, a name that resonated with terror and mystery. As Bowling published excerpts of the letter, a tremor of horror rippled across the city. Conversations in taverns, markets, and living rooms invariably veered towards this Jack the Ripper. The moniker struck a nerve, its very utterance invoking images of shadowy figures and blood-stained cobblestones. Across the city, from the quiet corridors of Scotland Yard to the bustling offices of newspapers, the name echoed, stirring fear and morbid fascination. Even the tenacious Inspector Aberline couldn't ignore the psychological effect this moniker had on the public. He was a seasoned investigator who had dealt with his share of notorious criminals, but Jack the Ripper was different. The name personified the horrifying crimes and a growing sense of helplessness. The Dear Boss letter may have been the work of a prankster, as some suggested, but the damage was done. The name Jack the Ripper was no longer just a signature on a letter, but a specter that haunted the city. It turned everyday life into a constant reminder of the unseen terror. The legend of Jack the Ripper, born in the grimy alleyways of Whitechapel, was now seared into the consciousness of London, and it showed no sign of fading away. Chapter 2 The Murders Autumn unfurled over London, casting the city in a palette of russet hues. But in Whitechapel, autumn brought with it an unshakable dread. The nights seemed darker, and the streets, desolate. The chilling name Jack the Ripper hung heavy in the air. Each twilight brought a palpable tension, a collective breath held, an entire district praying that the morning wouldn't bring another horror. On one such night, on September 30th, the unthinkable happened. Two lives were extinguished under the cover of darkness. Elizabeth Stride, known fondly as Long Liz, was found in Dutfield's yard, her life ended with a single slash to the throat. Just an hour later, Catherine Eddowes was discovered in Mitre Square, her body brutally mutilated, the grisly scene a mirror to the Ripper's earlier atrocities. The echoes of these murders rang through the narrow lanes of Whitechapel, amplifying the already deafening terror. Through these nights of horror, Men like Inspector Aberline and his counterpart, Inspector Reed, kept vigil. They patrolled the silent streets, their lanterns casting long shadows on the cobblestones, their minds grappling with the monstrous enigma that had gripped the city. The fear and frustration in the eyes of these seasoned investigators were mirrored in every citizen. Yet, despite their tireless efforts, the Ripper seemed to slip through their fingers, disappearing into the autumn mist as quickly as he appeared. Even as the police worked relentlessly, another figure strode through the foggy nights. Dr. Thomas Bond, the renowned police surgeon, was tasked with examining the victims. His grim analyses only added to the public's terror, 
confirming the chilling precision of the killer, suggesting a knowledge of anatomy that fueled horrifying theories. Darkness became a haunting presence during those autumn nights. Gas lamps flickered ominously, casting an eerie glow on deserted streets. Every gust of wind felt like a whisper from the ripper, every shadow a potential hiding place. Ordinary men and women became unwilling actors in this real-life horror, their lives forever intertwined with the legend of Jack the Ripper. This was the autumn of terror, a season that forever imprinted its dread on the heart of Whitechapel and turned dark autumn nights into a time of enduring fear. As the terror lingered, patterns began to emerge from the shadowy chaos. Jack the Ripper, this ghostly figure veiled in mist and mystery, had a method in his madness, a horrifying consistency in his gruesome acts. These patterns offered both chilling insights into the mind of the killer and vital clues for the men tasked with his capture. The victims, all women living on the margins of society, painted the first part of this grim picture. Each lived a life of hardship, forced by circumstance to walk the treacherous line between survival and destitution. Their lives, sadly cut short, indicated a chilling selectivity on the Ripper's part. His targets were vulnerable, often alone, and unlikely to be missed until it was too late. Dr. Thomas Bond, meticulous and unflinching, played a crucial role in decoding the killer's pattern. His detailed autopsy reports pointed to a harrowing consistency in the mutilations, suggesting not only a brutal disregard for human life but also a disturbing level of skill and precision. The victims were not just murdered, they were horrifically defaced, their bodies left as a grim tableau of the Ripper's sadistic tendencies. This pattern extended to the time and location of the killings. Each one took place under the cloak of night, in the desolate alleyways of Whitechapel, away from prying eyes. The geographical proximity of the murders painted an unnerving picture of a killer who operated comfortably within a specific territory. The efforts to decode these patterns brought together an unlikely team. Detectives like Aberline and Reed worked alongside figures like Dr. Bond, their different backgrounds and skills uniting towards a common goal. These men, though hardened by years of service, were pitted against an adversary that defied understanding, a murderer whose method was as baffling as it was horrifying. The killer's pattern, while providing glimmers of understanding, only added to the growing sense of dread. It hinted at a methodical monster, a predator who prowled familiar streets with chilling ease and left behind a trail of blood and terror. The pattern woven by the Ripper served to magnify his menace, marking him as a formidable enemy in the grim theater of Whitechapel's Autumn of Terror. While the streets of Whitechapel echoed with fear, the newspapers hummed with a morbid fascination for the unfolding nightmare. The press served as a macabre chorus, amplifying the voice of the Ripper and echoing his terror across London and beyond. Their headlines became a daily reminder of the city's living nightmare, creating an atmosphere thick with dread, intrigue, and chilling curiosity. At the helm of this chilling chorus was journalist Thomas Bowling, known for his sensationalized accounts of the murders. Bowling, a seasoned journalist, grasped the public's morbid fascination with the Ripper. His vivid descriptions and unflinching coverage gave Londoners a front-row seat to the horror unfolding in Whitechapel, stoking fear and fascination in equal measure. 
However, it wasn't just the stories of the victims that fueled the press's fervor. The Dear Boss letter, with its chilling signature, had given them a name, Jack the Ripper. This moniker, whether the creation of a sick prankster or the killer himself, was a gift for the press. It turned a gruesome series of murders into an enduring legend, a mystery that gripped London and kept the papers selling. Yet the press served a dual role in this grim tale. While they sensationalized the killings, they also became a voice for change. Journalists and editorialists began to shed light on the appalling conditions in Whitechapel, pushing for social reform. Amid the stories of blood and terror, there were calls for better policing, improved living conditions, and a greater understanding of poverty's role in shaping such dire circumstances. The voice of the press during the Ripper saga was a cacophony of fear, fascination, and a cry for change. It turned a local horror into an international sensation, amplifying the Ripper's terror while also echoing the desperate need for a better, safer Whitechapel. The press's voice, in all its sensationalism and demands for reform, became an integral part of the Ripper's legend, a narrative thread that added depth to the tale of the city's darkest autumn. Chapter 3 The Intrigue and Fear Despite the growing chill of winter, an unseen terror continued to cast its shadow over Whitechapel. As November descended upon the city, the fear of Jack the Ripper was more palpable than ever. The residents of Whitechapel held their breath, each passing day filled with a suspense that hung heavier than the London fog. On the morning of November 9th, their worst fears came true. Mary Jane Kelly, a woman with a hauntingly beautiful voice and a tragic life, was found in her room at Miller's Court. Her death was the most brutal of all, a horrifying display of savagery that left even the hardened officers of Scotland Yard stunned. It was a grim reminder of the unseen terror that lurked in their midst, a monster capable of unspeakable atrocities. As news of Mary Jane Kelly's murder spread, Inspector Aberline and his men were already on the case, their grim determination marred by a sense of dread. They were racing against an enemy they could not see, a phantom who struck without warning and disappeared without a trace. This unseen terror was not just a killer but a ghost, a nightmarish specter that haunted their investigations. The terror wasn't confined to the crime scenes. It seeped into every nook and corner of Whitechapel, casting long, fear-filled shadows. Families huddled in their homes as darkness fell, their hushed whispers filled with a dread of the unseen. They spoke in hushed tones about the Ripper, their fear-laden words adding substance to the shadowy figure. Meanwhile, the press continued its relentless coverage. Stories of the Ripper's heinous acts were splashed across newspapers, their grim details stirring up a whirlwind of terror and intrigue. This unseen terror, once confined to Whitechapel, had now captivated an entire city, its invisible presence felt in every trembling heart. The Unseen Terror was a chilling chapter in the Ripper saga, a period marked by an escalating fear and a growing sense of helplessness. The Phantom of Jack the Ripper, while remaining unseen, had managed to leave a terrifying imprint on the city's consciousness, turning a cold winter into a season of enduring horror. In the backdrop of the Autumn of Terror, a social undercurrent began to stir. The fear that Jack the Ripper spread brought the plight of Whitechapel's residents into stark focus. 
The gruesome murders were not just a series of chilling crimes, but a mirror to the hardships faced by the poor and the marginalized of society. Whitechapel was a district riddled with social inequality. Its residents lived in cramped quarters, facing destitution and disease daily. The Ripper's victims, all women trying to scrape by, were stark reminders of the desperate circumstances that forced many into dangerous situations. They were not just victims of a ruthless killer but casualties of a society that left them vulnerable. Journalists like W.T. Stead took up the mantle of revealing the conditions in Whitechapel. In vivid and heartbreaking detail, they painted a picture of a society divided by wealth, where those at the bottom bore the brunt of hardships. These stories were a wake-up call to the city's elite, forcing them to acknowledge the desperate living conditions that lay beneath London's veneer of progress and prosperity. The press's role in this social awakening was undeniable. Through their relentless coverage of the Ripper case, they had unwittingly spotlighted the harsh reality of Whitechapel. The terror had given way to a dialogue about social reform, highlighting the need for better living conditions and greater protection for the city's vulnerable citizens. Local figures such as Samuel Barnett, a social reformer, seized this moment of social consciousness. Barnett campaigned for improving housing and alleviating poverty in Whitechapel his efforts buoyed by the public attention garnered by the Ripper case. His work laid the groundwork for future reform movements, turning the tide towards a more equitable London. The social impact of the Ripper saga was a tale of awakening and reform. It was a chapter where terror and tragedy paved the way for change, where the horrors wrought by an unseen killer triggered a shift in the city's social consciousness. This period marked the beginning of a long journey towards social reform, a journey prompted by the terrifying legacy of Jack the Ripper. The terror that stalked the streets of Whitechapel cast a harsh light on a troubling truth. London's police force, the supposed guardians of peace and safety, appeared powerless in the face of the Ripper's reign of horror. This period, marred by fruitless investigations and public frustration, revealed the gaping holes in the city's law enforcement. Inspectors Aberline and Reed, despite their relentless efforts, found themselves shackled by the limitations of Victorian investigative methods. They had neither the forensic tools nor the understanding of criminal psychology that modern detectives rely on. Their investigation, although diligent, felt like an exhausting game of cat and mouse with an enemy that stayed consistently out of reach the public's faith in law enforcement began to wane. The press didn't spare the police from their scathing criticism, with newspapers like the Times questioning their effectiveness. The Ripper's continued freedom served as a testament to their perceived failure, leading to rising public discontent and demands for better law enforcement. This period also revealed the lack of cooperation between the Metropolitan Police and the City of London Police. Their rivalry and lack of coordination hindered the investigation, providing the Ripper with opportunities to slip through the cracks. It was a glaring example of inefficiency that only fueled the public's anger. This state of affairs eventually led to the resignation of Metropolitan Police Commissioner Sir Charles Warren, a move widely seen as a result of his inability to apprehend the Ripper. His resignation marked a turning point forcing the police to introspect and reassess their strategies. The ineffectual law, 
as it came to be known, was a grim chapter in the Ripper saga. It underscored the limitations of Victorian law enforcement and highlighted the need for progress. The inability to capture the Ripper became a catalyst for change, spurring improvements in investigative techniques and policing strategies. It was a painful lesson learned in the shadow of a monstrous killer, a step towards a more effective law enforcement system that could protect the city from such horrors in the future. Chapter 4 The Theories and Suspects With the terror of Jack the Ripper gradually fading into the realm of chilling tales, the hunt for his true identity took center stage. Theories abounded, ranging from the plausible to the utterly bizarre, but one possibility resonated above others was the Ripper a member of the medical profession? The basis of this theory came from the meticulous, almost surgical precision of the mutilations. Autopsy reports, especially those of Dr. Thomas Bond, pointed towards a grim reality. The killer had a disturbingly profound understanding of human anatomy. The doctor's scalpel hypothesis suggested that the Ripper could be a surgeon, a medical student, or someone with surgical knowledge. The precision with which the Ripper had operated on his victims in the poorly lit alleyways of Whitechapel hinted at someone accustomed to the confines of a dissection room. This chilling theory suggested that the Ripper may not have been a vagrant or a madman, but a respected professional, hidden behind a mask of normalcy. Prominent suspects that fit this theory included Dr. Francis Tumblety, an eccentric American physician with a disturbing collection of uteruses, and Sir William Gull, Queen Victoria's surgeon. Both had the surgical skill and knowledge that could potentially match the gruesome handiwork of the Ripper. Despite its intriguing aspects, the doctor's scalpel theory was fraught with challenges. Many medical professionals had the anatomical knowledge that the Ripper seemed to possess. Pinning down a single culprit was like searching for a needle in a haystack. The lack of definitive evidence linking any medical professional to the murders only added to the ambiguity. The doctor's scalpel hypothesis, while intriguing, highlighted the complexities of the Ripper case. It provided a potential lens to view the identity of the killer, yet opened a Pandora's box of possibilities and conjecture. This chapter added another layer to the enigma of Jack the Ripper, offering a tantalizing but elusive possibility in the quest for his true identity. One of the most tantalizing theories in the Ripper saga is the royal conspiracy. This theory, brimming with scandal and intrigue, pulls the narrative away from the grimy streets of Whitechapel and thrusts it into the gilded corridors of the royal palace. At the center of this conspiracy is Prince Albert Victor, the Duke of Clarence, Queen Victoria's grandson. Rumors swirled that the prince had contracted syphilis during a secret visit to a brothel, which drove him into madness, and eventually, to murder. The theory further suggested that the royal family, desperate to protect their reputation, covered up his heinous acts. Adding fuel to the fire of the royal conspiracy was Sir William Gull, the royal physician. Some theories implicated Gull as an accomplice to the prince, suggesting he was aiding the royal in his gruesome endeavors to keep him off the radar of the police and the press. The theory, however sensational, lacked substantive evidence. Records showed that Prince Albert was not in London during several of the Ripper murders. Sir William Gull, for all the suspicion surrounding him, was an elderly man at the time of the murders, 
making it unlikely he could have committed such physically demanding crimes. Despite its shaky foundation, the royal conspiracy theory continued to captivate audiences. It added an element of scandalous intrigue to the Ripper's tale, pitting the city's highest echelons against its most destitute. The theory transformed the narrative into a shocking paradox of power and poverty, a struggle that reflected the stark social divide of Victorian London. The royal conspiracy chapter, while fraught with speculation and sensationalism, added a dramatic twist to the Ripper saga. It served as a reminder of the enduring fascination with the case, illustrating how the search for the Ripper's identity often ventured into the realms of the improbable, reflecting the enduring enigma that is Jack the Ripper. As the mystery of Jack the Ripper's identity deepened, the suspect pool expanded, presenting a gallery of potential faces behind the infamous name. From everyday laborers to members of high society, the list grew, each suspect bringing his own unique twist to the narrative. There was Aaron Kosminski, a Polish barber, and a resident of Whitechapel. His history of mental illness and proximity to the crime scenes made him a compelling suspect. However, the lack of concrete evidence linking him to the murders kept his involvement speculative at best. Then, there was James Maybrick, a wealthy cotton merchant from Liverpool. His potential involvement came to light decades later, with the discovery of a diary purportedly written by him confessing to the murders. Yet, the authenticity of the diary remains under intense debate, casting doubt over his involvement. Another intriguing suspect was Walter Sickert, a renowned artist known for his morbid paintings. The theory, posited by crime novelist Patricia Cornwell, suggested that Sickert's fascination with death and his access to the London elite made him a plausible Ripper candidate. However, like others, the evidence was circumstantial, leaving room for doubt. Over the years, many more names surfaced, each theory as fascinating as the last. Montague John Drute, a barrister with an abrupt career end, George Chapman, a barber and a proven serial killer, Thomas Neil Cream, a doctor executed for other murders, each had their moment under the Ripper's shadow. The diverse range of suspects implicated in the Ripper case is a testament to the complexity and enduring fascination of the Ripper's mystery. Each theory, each face, presents a tantalizing possibility, a potential answer to the question that has captivated the world for more than a century, who is Jack the Ripper? Chapter 5, The Investigation and Modern Forensics in the relentless pursuit of Jack the Ripper, a cadre of dedicated men stood at the forefront. These Victorian investigators, despite their limited tools and the immense public pressure, embarked on a daunting mission to unmask the infamous killer. Inspectors Frederick Aberline and Edmund Reed, two prominent figures of the Metropolitan Police's H Division, took the lead in the investigation. Both men were seasoned officers, having spent years patrolling the streets of Whitechapel. They were familiar with the labyrinthine alleys and the diverse populace, and this intimate knowledge proved vital in their pursuit of the Ripper. Aberline, a skilled detective known for his sharp intellect and keen eye for detail, threw himself into the Ripper case with relentless determination. He sifted through countless leads, interviewed hundreds of witnesses, and worked tirelessly hoping to find the elusive piece of the puzzle that would lead him to the Ripper. 
Meanwhile, Reed, a man of action with an indomitable spirit, led numerous late-night patrols and coordinated with the local community. He realized the importance of public cooperation in solving the case, especially in an area rife with fear and suspicion. Also involved was Dr. Thomas Bond, a police surgeon who used his medical expertise to provide vital insights into the Ripper's methods. His analysis of the crime scenes and victims marked the early steps towards the now-essential field of forensic science. Despite their combined efforts, these Victorian investigators faced insurmountable challenges. The lack of forensic technology, coupled with the complexities of the case, hindered their progress. They found themselves caught in a web of red herrings and public hysteria, all the while racing against time to prevent another horrifying murder. The Victorian Investigators chapter is a testament to the unyielding determination and resourcefulness of these early detectives. Working within the limitations of their era, they laid the foundation for future investigative methods, their efforts echoing through the annals of criminal investigation history. Their story serves as a reminder of the human element behind the scenes of the chilling tale of Jack the Ripper. As the years marched on, leaving the Victorian era behind, scientific and technological advances transformed the landscape of criminal investigation. With each stride, the tantalizing possibility of unmasking Jack the Ripper edged closer. The emergence of forensic science became a game-changer in crime-solving. Forensic techniques such as fingerprint analysis and blood typing, which were unavailable during the Ripper's reign, emerged as crucial tools for investigators. In the Ripper case, the late introduction of DNA technology offered a glimmer of hope. Forensic scientists attempted to extract DNA from the letters allegedly sent by the Ripper to the police. Despite the immense potential, the results were inconclusive due to contamination and degradation over time. The advances weren't just limited to the physical sciences. The birth of criminal profiling provided a psychological lens to examine the Ripper's behavior and potential motivations. Experts pieced together a psychological portrait of the killer, helping to narrow down the type of person he might have been. In recent years, the rise of data analysis and geoprofiling presented another layer of investigation. These tools, when applied to the Ripper case, could potentially shed light on the killer's behavioral patterns and preferred locations, providing further insight into his identity. However, despite the monumental advances, the mystery of Jack the Ripper remained stubbornly unsolved. The passage of time and the lack of preserved evidence stood as formidable barriers to the application of modern techniques. Yet, each scientific stride held the promise of unveiling the truth, stoking the embers of hope. In the quest to unmask Jack the Ripper, investigators encountered a series of limitations and breakthroughs, a winding journey that has spanned over a century. The story is one of perseverance in the face of setbacks, and unexpected discoveries that often added more questions than answers. One of the biggest limitations in the Ripper case has been the lack of physical evidence. The primitive state of forensic science during the Ripper's era meant that critical pieces of evidence were either overlooked or inadequately preserved. The passage of time further complicated matters, degrading whatever little evidence remained. Despite these challenges, 
there have been occasional breakthroughs that rekindled the hope of solving the mystery. One such instance involved the shawl of Catherine Eddowes, one of the Ripper's victims. In 2014, a genetic analysis of the shawl revealed DNA traces that pointed towards Aaron Kosminski, the Polish barber. Yet, the validity of this evidence was hotly debated due to potential issues with contamination and the provenance of the shawl. Further breakthroughs emerged in the form of archival research. Historians and enthusiasts, poring over old case files and documents, often uncovered overlooked details. These pieces of information, while not necessarily conclusive, provided fresh angles to approach the enduring mystery. However, each breakthrough seemed to run into its own set of limitations. The lack of definitive evidence and the inconsistencies between different pieces of evidence meant that every theory, no matter how plausible, remained mired in controversy and debate. The tumultuous path of the criminal investigation underscores the vast complexities involved in solving a case like Jack the Ripper and serves as a testament to the relentless pursuit of truth, a quest that continues to captivate and inspire, long after the final echoes of the Ripper's footsteps have faded from the streets of Whitechapel. Chapter 6 Unveiling the Mystery The enduring fascination with Jack the Ripper is a phenomenon in itself. Despite the passage of time, the unsolved case of the infamous killer continues to captivate the collective imagination. In this chapter, The Persistence of Legend, we explore the enduring intrigue and the cultural legacy of Jack the Ripper. The Ripper's legend has found its way into all forms of media, from books and films to television series and video games. Each retelling, while differing in its narrative and theory, retains the core mystery feeding the public's fascination with the unsolved case. Historians, crime writers, and armchair detectives continue to delve into the case, hoping to unearth that elusive piece of evidence that would unmask the killer. Theories, both credible and far-fetched, continue to surface, adding layers to the enigma. In the world of academia, the Ripper case serves as a case study illuminating the social conditions of Victorian London and the evolution of criminology. The enduring legend has also left its mark on the city of London itself. Whitechapel, once a poor and neglected district, now draws visitors from around the world. Guided ripper tours trace the paths of the victims, painting vivid pictures of the bygone era. The Ten Bells Pub, where several of the ripper's victims were last seen, stands as a haunting reminder of the chilling tale. Yet, the fascination with the Ripper's legend is not merely a morbid curiosity. It serves as a stark reminder of the horrors of the past and the evolution of criminal investigation. It reflects the human instinct to seek answers, to make sense of the senseless, and to bring justice, however delayed it might be. In the end, the persistent allure of the Ripper's legend is a testament to the human fascination with mystery and the ceaseless quest for truth. As long as the identity of Jack the Ripper remains unknown, the legend persists, a chilling specter that continues to haunt, intrigue, and inspire. In the long shadow cast by Jack the Ripper, there lies a profound and complex legacy, shaping both historical discourse and cultural narratives. While the Ripper himself remains a specter, his actions have had a lasting impact, 
creating ripples that extend far beyond the dimly lit streets of Victorian Whitechapel. At a societal level, the Ripper crimes starkly highlighted the abysmal conditions in the East End of London. The victims, women of meager means forced into prostitution for survival, came to symbolize the depths of poverty and the systemic neglect of the working class. This heightened awareness sparked social reform movements, ultimately prompting changes to improve living conditions in deprived areas. The case also transformed the field of criminology. The inadequacies in the investigation, exacerbated by the lack of technological advancements, underscored the need for better methods in crime-solving. Over time, this led to significant developments in forensics, criminal profiling, and investigative techniques, many of which are still in use today. In terms of media, the Ripper case marked one of the earliest instances of a crime story receiving widespread public attention. Newspapers of the time capitalized on the public's fear and curiosity, fueling the killer's notoriety. This set the stage for the modern true crime genre, establishing a template for crime reporting and sensationalism. Culturally, Jack the Ripper has become an archetype of the anonymous, brutal serial killer. His moniker and the mysteries surrounding his identity continue to fascinate and inspire countless adaptations in books, films, and television, contributing significantly to the global landscape of crime fiction. While the physical presence of the Ripper has long since vanished, his legacy persists. It is woven into the historical fabric of London, the evolution of criminology, and the realms of media and popular culture. The Ripper's legacy is not merely about the past, it continues to evolve and echo into the present, a chilling reminder of the enduring power of a grim legend. The story of Jack the Ripper is one that has held the world captive for well over a century. Despite the passage of time and a multitude of theories proposed, the killer's identity remains shrouded in mystery. In this final chapter, The Final Word, we seek to encapsulate this enduring enigma, weaving together threads of history, society, and culture that form the complex tapestry of the Ripper's legacy. There's no denying the horror of the crimes committed by the Ripper, or the profound impact they had on the victims' lives and the society in which they occurred. Each life taken was a tragedy, women who faced desperate circumstances only to meet an end marked by violence and fear. The echoes of their stories continue to resonate, reminding us of the stark realities of life in Victorian Whitechapel and the persistent struggle against poverty, injustice, and violence. Yet, amidst the darkness, there lies a peculiar beacon of humanity's tenacity. The case of Jack the Ripper, with all its unanswered questions and tantalizing mysteries, has inspired a relentless pursuit of truth. From the tireless investigators of the Victorian era to today's armchair detectives, countless individuals have devoted themselves to solving this enduring puzzle, driven by a fundamental human instinct to seek justice and closure. Furthermore, the Ripper's story has become a catalyst for change. The challenges faced in the investigation prompted advancements in criminology and forensic science. The harsh societal conditions highlighted by the case spurred movements for social reform. And in the realm of media and culture, the Ripper's tale has sparked countless narratives exploring the nature of crime, justice, and human nature itself.
As we look back on the tale of Jack the Ripper, there are few certainties, but many lessons. It is a story that stands as a testament to the complexities of history, the progress of society, and the unfathomable depths of the human mind. And while the final word on Jack the Ripper may never be written, his story continues to captivate, serving as a chilling reminder of our past and an enduring enigma that beckons us to keep searching for the truth.